Hello and welcome to the FEZ Show with your host, Jack George Maynard. I want to say a massive thank you to all of you for the great feedback that we've had so far. We've got plenty of topics again to talk about today, but remember, we have our subscriber goal of 1,000. So please remember to hit that like button and subscribe if you are enjoying the content. So joining me on today's show is once again, William Dodds and new recruit to FEZ very recently, Jasmine Butler. How are you guys? Doing good. Yeah, not too bad. Thanks, Jack. No, it's, it's good. I'm I'm starting to really enjoy these these shows over the last couple of days. It's been it's been it's been really good. Um, as I said, feedback has been has been great. So as I said, lots to talk about today. So I hope I hope you've been enjoying being on the show as well. My first time. So let's see how it yeah. goes. So let's see how it goes. Perfect. So the first topic I want to talk about today. So it came out of the race. The race obviously doing some great content in terms of getting out some news. And what they talked about, which we thought was interesting, because on Monday we talked about the uh, possibly finishing the season in Berlin and London as like maybe a doubleheader, pushing them back into August. But will they've sort of looked at the Asian leg of the season. So the season that we've sort of missed, the Sanya, the Seoul, the Jakarta. So formerly are possibly looking at a way to finish the season there in that port. What do you think of that? Looking at today's news, it's potentially something that's more likely. Um, obviously, China have officially uh, lifted the lockdown in, in Wuhan. So, you know, you think come... July, August time, perhaps they'll be ready, ready to kind of open up the borders and allow Formula E to race there. Obviously, you do have the issue of the teams getting themselves there and, you know, depending on what situation is like, where the teams are based, um, there is an issue. But to be honest, it looks like China and, and South Korea are potentially more on top of this situation than we are in Europe. So at this point, a race in China or a race in South Korea looks more likely than going to, to, to Berlin, Rome and, and London, especially given that the Excel Centre Hospital has only just opened uh, today, I think, or maybe yesterday. Yeah, and it had, you, I think you were saying off camera, actually, that it has the, the first patient actually was admitted to it today. Or... Yeah, um, and I know we were discussing, you know, it'll be, quicker to, it'll be quite quick to take down relatively to um, opening up because obviously it took a, a number of weeks to to get the hospital set up but um, I, I do think at this point racing in Sanya and Seoul appears more likely the only thing you have to consider is is just like we don't quite know how this is going to progress in Europe I mean the the signs are that potentially things are getting slightly better in France and in Italy um, and I think they the first inclination that potentially the the curve is flattening in London but when you compare that to Seoul and and uh, and China I, I think that it looks like they're definitely ahead of us on this well I yes and obviously they did get the the coronavirus first so it's actually an interesting time frame to see how you know when they contracted it back in December January time to to where we are now so it's been about four months so if we put that into our perspective we sort of got it like February so you're sort of looking at you know your June July's and in, in terms of when we're possibly going to be better so that sort of takes Berlin out of the equation of possibly being ready on June 21st but what I think is really interesting Jasmine is that it looks like we were discussing it on Monday that Formula E are, are, are open to this possibility of pushing back the season to August, September time, which, you know, we sort of revealed earlier when, when Formula E didn't want to do that. They didn't want to go into September because they were worried about the season seven uh, powertrains and, and testing, which was booked in Valencia for in the middle of October. 
So what do you think? I want to ask really about Berlin and London. Do you think obviously those two tracks aren't on specific street circuits at all? So I don't see an issue with pushing either Berlin and London, say into that August or September gap. And then possibly, if the Asian leg of the championship is possible, we could do a Berlin-London, a mini-European season, and then finish the season with an Asian leg. Yeah, I could definitely see that happen. Obviously, with the with Berlin and London, they are much easier to rearrange than the street races. And it would be much easier if at the end of the season they had them all closer together, kind of maybe doing one weekend after another. And um, I think the only issue you're going to have is, will they be able to have fans will the teams be able to fly in with as you've said with China now calming down and um, you've got South Korea now calming down with the with them the coronavirus are we going to be able to have the fans the teams that are coming from you know x y and z that's to me I think that's just going to be the main issue rearranging them I think is going to be quite easy with it calming down just are you going to get everyone there I know this is a problem that um, Monaco obviously faces in, in Formula One, and obviously it was on the calendar last year. But they only have a, a small window in the year where basically the uh, the the residents essentially happy to have motor racing. Um, but I do think one of the the advantages of motorsport is that obviously it's not ideal, but motorsport is a sport that potentially lends itself more to being held behind closed doors. Um, I don't think the spectacle is affected to the same extent as it is in, in say, football or, or rugby or, or, or kind of stadium sports. I think that the TV experience isn't massively um, worsened by the fact that it would be behind closed doors. So I think it, it, it could work. No, I, 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 as I said, I was going to bring on that subject, actually, because you said, I think, on Monday that it depends on the city as well. Like Monaco, like they only like that racing period in May, hence why the Formula 1 race has been cancelled and it's not going to be rescheduled for any time this season now that it's been postponed. It, you know, it has officially been cancelled. So, you you know, with Sanya, with Seoul, obviously, they're, they're, well, Seoul is obviously a major city. So is Jakarta. It's the capital of um, Indonesia. So finding a time period or a period where they could especially after what we've just gone through to say right we're going to now put a race here actually in the city center that you know has been on under lockdown under under you know for the for the massive health reasons that we've had it seems unlikely that's the only sort of issue i sort of have with it is that it's really soon after we've sort of like called it you know yes we're we're fine okay let's have a race i just feel like it's really quick I guess the the factor is like that 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 is definitely true and that is um, a real concern. But you still have that slight concern with with Berlin and London too, you know. Um, so Tempelhof Airport is is a public space in Berlin, other than than when it be used for the race. So, you know that that there is still going to be inconvenience there, and and obviously with with the Excel Center, you know the Excel Center will also have um, a stockpile, a, a list of events that kind of unable to happen during this period as well you know formula e isn't the only thing that will be held there so it's still going to be kind of like an administrative difficulty um getting those two races held yeah for sure for example the xl it has events basically every weekend i remember um and those me and jasmine went to the same uni actually so going past custom house xl we, we used to go on our, on our route to uni. It had a different event. There was, you know, at Caddingtown Station, which in on the on, on the on the tube, sorry, um, it was filled with people going to to the XL Centre every day with some sort of event. So, even squeezing Formula E at a different location on the weekend, it, it's going to be a challenge, Jasmine. 
Yeah, definitely. I've been I've been on there on a Friday when they had the motorbike show and they've literally had to push people onto the DLR to get them off. So it is a very busy location. Uh, they have an event nearly every day, whether it's something as big as a Formula E race or they've had little uni events and things like that going on there. So I can see how it can be difficult to rearrange with every other event going on. But I'd probably say this something like um, a Formula E race might be one of the most profitable to the um, XL. Obviously, they are given the they have announced this week that they are given the XL Centre to the NHS free of charge. So maybe after this is all over, they might think, okay, what's going to give us the most profit? And I would assume a Formula E race would be on top of that pile. I actually was um, laughing with my friend, or not laughing. It's obviously a pretty unpleasant situation. But when they're filming the Nightingale Hospital. Uh, on the BBC News, there's actually a huge um, banner advertising the Formula E race um, just behind where the newsreader was standing. And just thinking the the amount of, of like free exposure that the event's getting, even though it may not, never actually take place, is pretty yeah. extraordinary. It's true. But what I think is interesting is that Formula E are obviously really open now to um, pushing the calendar back going into September and August. And also, again, what the race sort of came out with yesterday was that testing could go back to Donington just for logistical reasons in, and doing that in November. So actually moving testing back a month gives us a bit more of a window to finish season six and then move maybe into season seven, maybe a shorter window because normally we have day October then we've got that two month window till Saudi Arabia in December. Maybe we might be looking at testing in Donington in November, possibly then a race a couple of weeks later, very similar to Formula One in Saudi Arabia or possibly maybe moving season seven as a completely just a 2021 season and maybe starting it in January. Um, what do you make of that, possibly going back to Donington and how that opens up the calendar wheel? Um, I think that in theory it's a good idea. I think giving us as much space to complete the 2020 or 2019-20 season as poss- um, is, is a good idea. I think giving that space is, is the best thing. I think it's most important that we... We get to those uh, those six events and make sure we have a, a proper championship with a, a proper number of races and a, a proper winner. Um, I guess one of the only concerns is that um, track conditions in November in Donington might not be too similar to many of the places that we're going to be um, racing in. So, um, you know, if they're going from testing the cars in November in, in the UK, it, it's going to be quite cold. And I think that that will kind of potentially bring up a number of issues for the cars, especially if they're then travelling to race in Saudi Arabia um, kind of just a few months later. So um, I think that that's a potential concern I have. But um, I think that in terms of giving a space to finish the current season and, you know, Donington um, is already used... It was previously used to store the cars. I, I see that yes. um, Neo still have a temporary facility there as well. Um, I think that, that makes it makes sense in that sense, but I just worry about you know, November in the UK being cold, is that going to be advantageous for the teams looking to test, you know, potentially, well, you know, at this point, an entirely new car? Yeah, I agree, Jasmine. Of course, like, um, it'd be minus, it could, in November in this country, it gets to, it could be freezing point. So they could be going out to test and it's it's sub-zero temperatures. Yeah, that would be my only issue with Donington. And we know like what the weather's like in the UK. One day it can be sunny and the next day it can be freezing cold. So with especially with it not even October, it's November. November is a winter month and in the UK that can sometimes mean 
not very often, but can sometimes mean snow and things like that on the road. So if they've done all this work to rearrange testing and then it's extreme weather conditions, well, where are they going to go from there? Are they just going to cancel testing? Have they got a backup plan in case there is severe weather in the UK? It's a bit... Maybe if they'd done it in October, they could get away with it. But November is quite risky having it in the UK. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to agree. I th- it, it'd be great in a sense for us because obviously we'd be able to get send someone down to testing probably around that time. But at the same time, it, it's going to be it's going to be really difficult because obviously the temperature will play a massive factor. And then you're going from a really cold, you're testing in a really cold environment to then putting the car in a completely boiling hot temperatures in Saudi Arabia potentially a month later, like. You're going to test a car, it's going to be really cold, and then you don't really know what your car might be like, Will, when you get to Saudi Arabia, when you're actually faced with temperatures that you're going to see throughout the calendar. Yeah, I mean, Formula E generally races in hot conditions. Um, you know, it goes to countries during their summer, and and it won't, it just won't be used to to that if, if we're testing at Donington. Um, obviously, this is an unprecedented situation, and if this is what they think is the best solution and what's most practical for the teams it might have to be and uh i guess it is the same for everyone it's not um it's not going to be kind of like three or four teams testing in donnington and the rest testing in valencia um so i guess that if this is the best solution it it will have to work and uh, i'm sure the teams will find a way of, of working around it um but it could result in 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 fun unpredictable racing if the teams are kind of coming to the first race and they haven't had proper testing time uh, personally i think valencia is still the main like place for them to go testing it's just i don't think they know if spain is going to be ready so it, i think donington is very much a backup plan and maybe donington said well maybe november might be the best time for you to do it if if worse comes to worse so but I, I still honestly believe Formula E will go to Valencia for testing when that will be I don't know but I think they're just monitoring the situation in Spain and, and see how that goes so I want to move on now I think we, we want to talk about Daniel Apt actually because obviously Daniel Apt was under severe pressure last season to keep his seat and he got the call really late he actually unprecedented like he, no driver has ever done this he actually spoke to Formula E themselves and said, I don't have a drive for season six without him. Like a couple of weeks before the season actually concluded. And it, obviously he did get the seat because he's obviously still at Audi for season six. But there was immense pressure going into him at the start of the season. And obviously Dragon have taken an Audi driver in Nico Muller who was tipped to possibly replace Daniel Apt in their Audi car. So I, I think now this this massive gap that we've had, and possibly with Audi also not having their probably their best car that they've created, I have a feeling that this period might have saved Daniel App. Because let's say okay, the season's been okay. He's picked up some points. I think he's picked up one, uh, just a couple. I think six points in total. Obviously, the grassy has done a great job so far this season. But Will, I'm just I'm just thinking that this might this gap might have saved him because if we've only got one or two races left before the end of the season let's say then moving moving on or saying that you didn't really get a fair shot with this massive gap is a bit unfair to just kick a driver out so i think this gap might actually save daniel apt yeah it's a it's a it's an interesting one and i think he probably won't be the only driver who potentially kind of can see this as a bit of like an opportunity to reset and um you know potentially extend their career in formula e for a bit longer um he's definitely under pressure um i think that He's been, you know, with Audi since since the beginning, but 
always very much shown up uh, and very much the second driver compared to to, to Lucas Degrassi. Lucas Degrassi is obviously a Formula E champion and an incredibly accomplished driver in this sport. So that that's not necessarily um, a slight on apt, but I think that there will be hopes that he can achieve more with his equipment than perhaps he has, especially over the last um, year or so. Uh, this season's definitely been a huge disappointment. I think he's only had one um, one scoring finish. And while the Audi hasn't, you know, we discussed this on Monday, the Audi hasn't been as strong this season as it has in the past. Um, it, it's still, again, showing the difference between him and Degrassi because Degrassi's still able to, to get that car in the points on a, on a regular basis. Um, then you look at, at someone like Nico Muller, who has, is, yeah, as you said, was a, an Audi driver in DTM and actually um, beat his teammate uh, Robin Freintz in DTM last season. That shows just kind of what kind of level of driver... Um, Muller has um, the potential to be, and you know while he hasn't made a huge impression at, at GX Dragon, I think that I think that he would be a, a potentially really good driver in Formula E um, if he had the equipment. And Audi compared to GX Dragon is certainly that. So yeah, I think for now, Apt is safe. But you know, if we've only got a couple more races till the end of the season, you know, I don't think that development's going on at the moment. So. There are chances that Audi's not going to really improve between now and the end of the season. If we come back, you know, for a couple of races um, just to finish the season off and Apt still um, is lagging behind Degrassi and uh, failing to score points, then I definitely see um, potential for, for them to start looking at someone like Muller. Yeah, uh, to be honest with you, you made a really good point for Robin Freins there because obviously he's still an Audi driver, obviously still races in DTM for them. And obviously I don't think Virgin Racing would be very happy if if Audi came knocking on the door and say, can we have our driver back, please? Uh, and to, to put him in the car. But Jasmine, I, I think, you know, maybe Muller was the sort of main target there. But, you know, could you see Audi maybe knocking on the door of Virgin of, of Robin Franz and say, hey, do you want to actually drive in the in the main factory Audi for Formula E? It's a difficult one to choose. I think if you had a full season of both drivers, um, he Daniel Lapp's probably not going to be the more popular contender because if you see so far he has only scored points in one race he's retired from a few he hasn't done so well but then at the same time it's hard to tell he might have you know gone to the next race turned it round started to get a few more podiums a few more points so it's quite at this present time it's it's difficult to tell because the other and the other end of the scale but you know the um Milica had then gone and had a terrible half of the rest of the season so it's, a, it's always a bit up and air at the moment, difficult to say. As as we've mentioned before, we don't know whether there's going to be many changes after this season if only six races go ahead. So it's quite difficult to comment at this moment. No, I agree. Because obviously, I think, I know we've, we've sort of picked on Daniel Apt and sorry Apt, but it's just obviously a topic of conversation that's been, that came in before the season that, you know, he was a driver that had to perform this season. Otherwise, that Sia Audi could be someone else's. And I just think that this gap has probably saved him, probably given him a chance to have another full season to show. Because obviously he's a good driver. You have to remember, he's a race winner. You know, he's he's put the car on pole. He put the car on pole in, in season one in Long Beach. Uh, so he's he's a really good driver. And he has proved that he has shone at Audi. But it's just, as I said, when you've got Lucas Degrassi being as consistent as Lucas Degrassi has been and apps not there as well, being 
that super consistent, it raises those questions. And I, I know Daniel Lapp knows that, but I think he's not the only driver. You know, we're looking at the rookies like your Brendan Hartleys, your James Collados, who haven't got to grips with Formula E very quickly, but they might be saved as well going into next season simply because, well, there hasn't been that many racing or there's been that big gap. So they've sort of lost that simulation time. They've lost that time to prepare and get used to the car. It, it, it's definitely not necessarily a slight on apt to, to say that he hasn't been able to live up to the performance of someone like Lucas Degrassi because Degrassi is and has been one of the most consistent performers in Formula E um, ever since he, he joined the series. And I think it look, you know, look at someone like uh, Andre Lotterer who wasn't able to, to keep up with Jean-Eric Verne. And then he goes to Porsche and he's putting it in Super Pole and he's shown just how quick he was. And that, that that's a reflection of, you know how difficult it is for these drivers to compete with people like Verne and Degrassi, who are who are just like undisputably some of the best drivers in the sport. Um, so, I I do think there will be a bit of a, a kind of saving grace, and people will just be like, this season has been a, a bit of a mess, you know, completely out of anyone's control. And I think that some drivers will get a reprieve. I don't know how much you can really read into what Hartley and Muller have done, because I don't think that we have a reliable benchmark for that Geox Dragon car um, to say to say what it could achieve. You know, they could be doing a really good job because we don't know how good a guy, drivers those guys are in, in Formula E. Um, you know, I think the reason that maybe someone like Apt and Collado are coming under pressure is because there is a reliable benchmark next to them and they're not living up to that benchmark. The same with, with Neil Jani at Porsche. Um, so that, that's probably the, the thing that will put those guys under pressure is because they are just significantly, you know, not performing to the same level as, as their teammates. Uh, whereas I think someone like, um, Muller and, and Hartley will definitely get a bit more slack. Yeah. I, I have to, I tend to agree. Um, but to be honest with you, I'd be surprised. I know it's like, it's a massive silly season. I suppose we've got like two months to talk about silly seasons at this rate. But at the same time, I can't see much movement in seats unless, you know, drivers walk away or drivers say they don't want to, they don't want to continue for whatever reason, which I, I highly doubt. And or unless teams are, are actually willing to say, you know what, in those five, first five, six races, you didn't cut it. So I'm gonna. We're gonna sign someone else for next season. I just think with the development rate, there's, you know, it's gonna be quite rushed when we get back into when everything is green and we're okay to go racing again. I think it, it's you've got the private manufacturer testing to fit in. You've got to finish the season. Then you've got testing. It's all gonna come at a really quick pace. And then getting a rookie driver, for example, who has no experience in Formula E up to speed. It isn't going to happen, I don't think. I just don't think... I know some drivers like Nick DeFries, for example, um, Oliver Rowland, who, who took Pascal Verline, who took to Formula E like a duck takes to water. But at the same time, I just it's a risk trying to find a driver and to see if they can do that plug-in and play like those three drivers have done. So it'll be interesting to see how City Season does develop over the next couple of weeks and months, and obviously we'll, we'll follow it the best we can. But I just I don't expect much to come from it. Well, I guess Jack, one one thing to consider is you know this is what we discussed on on Monday is that you know have someone like Oliver Turvey, who is you know kind of going around in one of the probably you know one of the worst cars in Formula E at the moment. Is is he going to be available? And I think that it, there there's definitely some intrigue there to to be seen. But I, I do I do agree that 
I imagine they'll be on the side of caution and maybe not going to take a risk on a, on a rookie. But, you know, when you have someone like Turvey um, kind of available, potentially, you know, maybe maybe there are some moves to be made. It, it, you might be right, to be honest with you. Turvey, it could be that you might see switch of more experienced drivers who haven't had that opportunity, like yeah. Turvey, for example, who might, you know, jump out of seat, for example, and, and might push a rookie who hasn't maybe performed out of a sp- particular seat. But I suppose that just remains to be seen. Um, so final topic I want to talk about is the qualifying system, because obviously it's so talked about. The drivers hate it, but they understand why we do it. And, you know, you get the same moaning uh, for the drivers that are in group one. Although Oliver Rowland, I, we spoke to him on Monday, actually, and he said that well, you find actually that the ones who moan about it the most are actually the ones that aren't as good at it. Um, and dealing with the group one pressures but what i want to discuss jasmine is obviously the qualifying system as it is you know is that the best one that we have jerome d'ambrosio uh told us that you know he wanted like a one-shot qualifying system very f1 2005 where the championship leader would go out first do his lap and then the then the second and third and fourth would go out so it'd be one by one system you get one lap boom that's your qualifying lap and then the whoever's at the back of the championship goes out last, so in theory still gets the, the better of the track conditions to try and still mix it up. What do you think of our qualifying system? And if you were to change it, what would you change it to? I think um, with that idea that's mentioned, that is quite a it is a good idea. But at the same time, you know, think, things happen in qualifying that a lot of the drivers like to have three, four, five goes at it at a time frame because you know, the, the, the tyres might not be ready, the car itself might have a few niggles, so it might need a few laps to, to be able to get the car going to get the fastest lap. It is, the way it is at the moment, as as myself being a spectator, I do enjoy it. I do enjoy, you know, it's it's kind of like Formula One, but it's not where you've, you've got all the drivers then go out, then it goes down to the final six and they all shoot out. Um, that way, you know, as a spectator, I enjoy it. I enjoy watching it. I think it it brings up a bit more excitement and you know even if someone has been the fastest throughout qualifying they could end up you know I think it's happened to Mitch Evans once where he um he was consistently fastest throughout the whole weekend he got down to the final six and then his um I think his lap time was it was about uh, three tenths um after the final flag so that kind of yeah it wasn't great for him but it made the race a bit more exciting you know going into going into the race you could see that he's obviously going to want to be gunning for it because his qualifying wasn't as good so that way I, I, I do quite quite in, enjoy it I think if you have it just where you know one driver gets one lap yeah it's all about the competition you know you should have you should be able to do your best lap first chance but not every driver can so I can see where that might not be the best option yeah because because Formula E they obviously Drivers say if you just get that one lap because obviously the first lap is warming up the car potentially even if you choose to do it at 200 and then you get your 250 lap and obviously the car's a completely different beast at 250 than it is at 200. So as they said, it's a really hard managing act to sort of to, to get the car together. What do you think, Will? How how would how how do you assess the qualifying system? Um, I'm a really big fan of it. Um, like Jasmine said, I think it brings. Uh, a level of of jeopardy and an intrigue to the qualifying and it, it just creates slightly you know it, it's part it's a big part of the reason that formula e racing is so exciting um 
and I like the way that's quite divergent from from what Formula One do. Formula One is very much a system set up to ensure that the best cars and the best drivers make it to um, make it to the kind of front of the grid. And while that that is potentially kind of what people maybe want people want to see in terms of seeing kind of drivers performing at their peak, I think what Formula E has going for it is that you know you get Mitch Evans having to start from the back of the grid and cut his way through the field and uh, you know you have these these drivers and really good drivers and really good cars kind to uh, having to make moves and you've got people like Turvey and Superpole um because he's kind of coming from from group four and I think that that that's a really kind of it adds a lot of um layers and, and interest to, to the sport and I think it's a, a unique part of Formula E and something that they should be looking to hold on to um you know, I think even with a one-shot qualifying system that um, D'Ambrosio proposed in your interview with him, um, you know, there's still issues with with track conditions. You know, people going out. You know, he said said doing it doing it in uh, championship order. Um, you know, there's still going to be people complaining about tra- track conditions. There's still going to be issues going on. So, you know, the drivers don't like it, but it, it's consistent. If you're in the top six, you're in Group One. And I think that that's simple and understood and, and fair. Yeah, and the, the thing is that, you know, track conditions obviously about, I think with the Ambrosia interview, he was more about traffic. So interesting with the Mitch Evans situation where they were all backing up and then he misses his qualifying lap. So that's why he, I think, sort of suggested that one lap qualifying system. So there is no traffic. You're going to get your lap done. Okay, you're not going to miss out in that sense, but you can't complain about traffic, but you still have the worst track conditions. It was interesting because I've spoken to Alexander Sims recently as well, and he he wasn't surprised about the track conditions because, you know, in FP2, they they do the fastest lap times of the weekend in FP2. The fastest lap times are not done in qualifying, but he just says the track activity that in that hour between practice two and qualifying is so, like, mad in terms of you've got, like, tons of I8, um, a BMW i8 cars doing passenger rides. You might have the uh, uh, I-Pace trophies go out, and they all run on different lines. So they all drag the dirt on. They all, you know, even Sim said the you know the i8 cars they might drift around a corner just to make it a bit more exciting for the passengers. So that brings all the dust onto the onto this racing line for a Formula E car. So he said simply because it's not a Formula E car going through the the racing line it just makes the track so dirty so he said he wasn't surprised by how the conditions change so drastically from fp2 to qualifying but also i have to agree with the storylines it does make those storylines our qualifying system you know to oliver turvey getting into super pole in, in santiago what a storyline mitch evans missing out in marrakesh because of that traffic and having to go through the 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 field and I even remember John Eric Vernon Super Pole in Marrakesh again as Marrakesh seems to be like a, a big one for qualifying missing out on Super Pole because he didn't get he didn't get out of pit lane in time. Um it, it just it creates these storylines that you know grip the fans and the viewers I suppose um to, to watch the race at, at four o'clock in a couple of hours time because I suppose if it was the fastest man on pole every weekend in a normal qualifying system which is just to find the fastest driver maybe it wouldn't make the races as interesting as they are at this precise moment so it is it is a battle i suppose it's just widely debated because the drivers just moan about it all the time and until you feel like a change is done even if we have this season three four years down the line i still think the drivers are going to complain about it and say it's too hard and it's not fair and there's too much traffic and 
and every excuse that they could give on this and I still think that would continue but I think we're gonna wrap up the show here thank you so much Will and Jasmine for coming on I hope you really enjoyed it thanks Jack thanks Jack um, thank you so much for you as well watching we'll be back tomorrow for another installment of the FEZ show please remember to like the video and to subscribe we're trying to get that 1000 uh, subscriber goal so we'd really appreciate that if you're enjoying the content and we will see you tomorrow you've been watching the FEZ show goodbye <laughs>